We can open our Bibles again at that passage that we read together in Psalm 37. And then with God's word open before us, we'll just bow briefly and ask for his blessing upon the preaching of his word. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank thee for these great hymns of praise that we have been enabled to sing this morning. We thank thee that thou art one to whom we can come with our petitions, with our desires, with our needs. We have that great assurance that when we call unto thee, that thou wilt not just hear us, but that thou wilt also answer us. But this morning we come now to that time when thy word is to be preached. Father, we pray for the infilling of thy spirit. Grant liberty, grant freedom, bring everything to my remembrance. And Lord, we pray that as thy word goes forth, that it would go forth in the power, not of man, but in the power of thy spirit. May it be a word for each of our hearts today. And may Christ be presented. For it's in thy name we pray. Amen. And amen. As you look at this psalm that I want to consider with you this morning, we see that it is a psalm of contrasts. Many contrasts and comparisons are made throughout the psalm, both in the section that we read and also in the remainder of it, between the godly and the ungodly. Differences between them are highlighted. The corruption of the wicked is displayed. One example being in verse 21, where it says, The wicked borroweth and payeth not again. But yet it speaks of the righteous, and it says, But the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. There is a contrast. The condemnation of the wicked is also declared. And the current prosperity of the wicked is highlighted again in verse 35. Verse 35 it reads, I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. But yet such prosperity is shown to be of no value. It is shown to be worthless as the day will come when the one who is wicked, the one who is ungodly, the one who is sinful will be cut off. They will be cut off and they will be removed. Verse 9, it tells us, for evildoers shall be cut off. But then there is that contrast with the faithful to the Lord. Because the faithful to the Lord have that great promise to hold. They are told that they will inherit the earth. When you consider such contrasts, it surely highlights the importance of being right with God. It surely highlights the importance of knowing Christ as your Savior. Because when we look at how the wicked had prosperity, but yet they were cut off, it shows us that you may have all the prosperity in the world. You may have all the material possessions that this world could offer. But yet, if you do not know the Lord, Jesus Christ is your Savior. You will be cut off and you will face judgment in that last day. It reminds us of the words of Mark 8 and the verse 36. 
Mark 8, verse 36, where the Lord Jesus says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? But it is not just a psalm of contrast that we have before us. It is also a psalm of counsel, because instruction is provided for the people of God. David, the king, is writing at this stage of his life as an older man. He has much experience in life. He has seen many things. He's has had great experience and he writes and he gives counsel for you today with regard to how you ought to conduct yourself as you journey through this life he counsels the godly not to be envious of the wicked he counsels them not to be envious of their prosperity of their popularity and he also tells us that we are not to be, to be angry or to be full of wrath. We are not to fret. How often we can be envious of others who have attained their wealth or gained their popularity through wicked and sinful and evil means. How often we can be tempted when one does evil to us, they wrong us, they do something against us. How often we can be tempted to return the favour. To do evil back to them. But what David is saying. He's saying do not be envious. And do not return like for like. Do not uh, treat them with evil. But however he does not only tell you what you're not to do. But he gives instructions uh, in regards to what you are to do. And what you are to do in such situations. And this morning in the time that remains. I want to focus on one of those instructions today. And we find it in our text in verse 5, verse 5 it reads, Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. You know, whether your journey in life is smooth, or whether your journey in life is as, as a ship sailing in a great storm, and it's floundering and struggling to stay afloat, there is an instruction here for you. So let us consider an instruction from the Lord for all situations. And firstly, we see in our text that there is a specific action. The text, the first section of it, it reads, commit thy way unto the Lord. And there we see that there is a path. Because the, the word way, it speaks to you with regard to your particular course of life. The direction in which you are going. The paths in life that are before you. It speaks of your conduct. It speaks of your manner of life. It speaks of those things that you face. It speaks of those situations that arise and cause you great concern. It includes your actions, your deeds, your plans and all that is before you in your life. It speaks of those things that cause you to be troubled. And perhaps in this Lord's day you're facing a very trying, a very difficult situation Perhaps there are difficulties within the home setting. Maybe there are problems within the family. Maybe you have loved ones who are outside of Christ. Maybe you have loved ones in a backslidden state once they walk with the Lord. But today they have no interest in the things of God. They don't want to know. Maybe they're engaging in dangerous sins. And that has brought you to the point of tears. And you have pleaded with them not to engage in those particular sins. You've pleaded with them to come out to the house of God with you. Maybe even this morning you've pleaded with them to come to church with you. But yet their answer has been no. I want nothing to do with religion. It causes you great concern. It is something 
that causes you to worry about their soul. But maybe this morning you're burdened by circumstances that have arisen in life. We could list many different examples. We think of health and your physical condition. Maybe you're having a difficult time in your workplace. Maybe there's an individual and they're giving you a rough time because you're a Christian. Maybe you've had unjust accusations thrown in your direction. You've been slandered. Lies have been told. And those who you thought were your friends, they have betrayed your trust. And they are against you. And it it causes you to worry. It burdens you. Or perhaps maybe this morning. Your concern is about the future. You wonder what the future will hold for you. You're concerned with maybe in the days that lie ahead how to make ends meet for your family. You've seen inflation skyrocketing. Prices have been going up and you're concerned as to how you will provide. Maybe you young people are concerned with what way your future will turn out. You think of university. Will you be able to get the necessary grades to be able to go and to engage in that course of study? Maybe you're thinking of employment and you are struggling to find a job and you're wondering, will you ever get work? Maybe you're thinking of marriage and all that raising a family entails and its various responsibilities and it's something that concerns you greatly. They're all matters that are legitimate concerns. The point I wish to make is that this word way, it covers all of these things. It covers all of these matters and so much more because it speaks of your entire course of life. It speaks of everything that you will face during it. So when we look at our text, we see that there is that path, but we also see what we are to do with it because we have the placing. The text, it tells us we are to commit thy way. And the word commit, it's a word that means to roll onto. And the idea, the, the idea is that you are to roll or to place all of your burdens, all of those concerns, all those matters that, that are before you in life, and you are to place them or roll them onto another. You're not to bear these heavy burdens yourself. You're not to go about weighed down greatly by them. Perhaps if you've read Pilgrim's Progress, you've seen the little illustrations that some authors have, or some editors have put in to describe what's happening. And you'll have seen Pilgrim as he's walking along with this great burden strapped on his back. And in the picture, it's as though he's struggling to walk with it. That is not how you're to go about in life. You're not to carry these heavy burdens yourself. You're not to go about weighed down greatly by them. But no, you're to commit them. You're to direct them. You're to cast them upon another. You're to place them onto somebody else. You're to let another take your burden. And the committing of your ways, it ought to be something that is constant. It ought to be something that is continual. Something that is ongoing. And you know, as we go through life, as you go through your life, there will be many troubles that will arise and face you. And then those troubles, perhaps as time goes on, they may be removed. But then other burdens may come. They will appear. They will disappear. It is something that is ongoing. And we ought to be constantly and continually committing those burdens, those things that arise, committing our paths in life to another. Our text tells us who that another is because we see the person. It says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Commit thy way unto the Lord. He is the person to whom you are to commit your ways to. You are not merely to cast your burdens upon 
another individual. It is good to speak to friends, to speak to families, those who you trust. And it can be good and helpful to talk those matters over. We often say that a problem shared is a problem halved. And there certainly is scriptural backing for that. In Galatians 6, we're told to bear one another's burdens. But yet, ultimately, your concerns, your fears, your troubles, those things that are before you in life, they ought to be brought to the Lord. All your ways are to be committed to him. We think of Peter's words in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Where it says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Everything in your life is to be given over to the Lord. Everything that is before you, all the affairs of your life, all the difficulties that arise, all the thoughts you have of the future, you're told, commit them unto the Lord. We are invited to bring them before him in prayer. You are invited to commit them to him at his throne of heavenly grace. Those concerns about loved ones who are outside of Christ, who are not walking with the Lord. Those concerns about a a backslidden son or daughter, or maybe a backslidden father or mother. You can bring them and commit them to the Lord. That is what he is inviting you to do. Those concerns, those fears about the circumstances you face in life. Those worries about the future. The Lord invites you to bring them all and to commit them unto him. Let me ask this morning, have you committed your way to the Lord? Have you committed your paths in life to him? Have you brought all those matters and laid them before him? Have you brought the difficulties to him? Have you brought your dreams to him? Have you brought the decisions in life, your desires, your deeds? Have you presented your despairs to him? We are to bring them all to the Lord. We are told, commit thy way unto the Lord. Have you set them before him? Or are you battling on, burying that heavy burden that will not get any lighter? The Lord tells you from his word. The word of God to you this morning is to bring those matters to the Lord and to commit them to him. But then secondly, we see this morning that there is not only a specific action, but there is also to be a steadfast attitude. And that brings us to the second section of the verse that is before us. The text, it says, commit thy way unto the Lord. But then it says, trust also in him. We are to commit our ways unto the Lord. We are to place those matters into his hands. But you are also to trust in him To deal with them. That word trust it means to confide or to place hope or confidence in. And time and time again in the scriptures we are reminded of the need to trust the Lord. It's as though the Lord knew that human nature being what it is. That we often would take matters into our own hands and we would not trust the Lord. And thus right throughout the scriptures we are told time and time again you need to trust the Lord. You look at verse 3 of Psalm 37. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Then also the the very well-known, perhaps the most well-known reference to deal with trusting with the Lord or trusting in the Lord, you have Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and the verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him 
and he shall direct thy paths. This morning I have to tell you that your attitude when you commit these matters of life to the Lord, it has to be one of trusting in him. It has to be one of complete trust in the Lord. And you must believe that he is able to meet that particular need. When we come to trust the Lord, there must be a leaning. When you put your trust in something, you rest or you lean upon it. I remember a good number of years ago going parachuting with a number of individuals. And we jumped from a plane that was a couple of thousand feet up. And when we jumped out of that plane, we were solely dependent upon that parachute to open. If the parachute had failed to open, the consequences would have been disastrous. Our trust, our reliance, our dependence was in that parachute. We were trusting in it to open and to keep us safe and to bring us down to the ground. When it comes to the matters in life that are before us, you must trust, you must rest, you must lean, and you must depend upon the Lord. All too often we do fall into that dangerous trap of leaning upon ourselves. As one of the great commentators from day a day gone by, Charles Bridges, He commented, saying, man with all his pride feels that he wants something to lean to. As a fallen being, he naturally leans to himself, to his own foolish notions and false fancies. This morning I warn you, and I plead with you, I advise you strongly to be careful not to lean on your own understanding. You cannot rely on your own wisdom, on your own schemes, on your own strength. You cannot lean on your own resources. Rather, you must lean completely on the Lord. It must be a constant leaning. It must be firm. And it must come from the heart. This morning, do you entrust to God the direction of your life? Can you say this morning that you are leaning on the Lord? You are trusting solely in him and that you are not leaning on anyone else? Do you lean and rest upon him solely and believe that he will order your steps? But there's also a leaving when it comes to trusting the Lord. Because often the reference is made, and there's many stories have been told, many, many illustrations have been given about those who they bring their burdens to the Lord. They come and they'll pray and they'll bring the matter to the Lord. But then as soon as they finish, the story is said that they get up and they leave and they carry their burdens with them. That is not trusting in the Lord. They are not leaving their ways with him. They are not resting on the Lord. It's something that's much easier said than done, given our tendencies to want to sort matters out quickly. Often when things seem to be going wrong, we can get anxious. We can think about the matter constantly, and then we can make those rash and foolish and sinful decisions. But the truth is that whatever the matter is, whatever the decision before us, whatever it is, we must leave it in the Lord's hands. Brings to mind the events of Ruth chapter 3. Ruth chapter 3, Ruth had made her desire known to be married by Boaz. But there was a problem. There was an issue that had arisen because there was a kinsman nearer to her. And that kinsman really, he had, could we say, the first option on it. But Boaz, he was to deal with the issue. He was to approach the kinsman. He was to discuss it with him. But 
What I want to say is that there was nothing that Ruth could do about that matter. She had to leave it in his hands. And there in Ruth chapter 3 and the verse 18, after all this had taken place and Boaz was to deal with the matter, Ruth is left with her mother-in-law. And it says there in verse 18, Naomi is speaking. Then said she, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Ruth was to sit still. She was to leave the matter in the hands of Boaz. He was the one who could do something about it. She couldn't. And she was to leave the matter in his able hands. And likewise today you are to bring your matter to the Lord. But then you are to sit still and you are to leave it in his able hands. You are to trust him to deal with it. There must be a leaving, but there also must be patience when we come to trust the Lord. Patience is a great requirement. And in verse 7 of Psalm 37, it tells us, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Wait patiently for him. To trust fully in the Lord, you must be patient. It may be the will of the Lord to deal with the matter quickly. Many of you, I'm sure, could testify to answers to prayer that have been almost instantaneous. Then, on the other hand, it may be the will of God to have you to wait for a long period of time. Ruth had to wait until Boaz had dealt with the matter at hand. You may have to leave the matter in the Lord's care and you may have to wait upon him, not just for maybe a day, but you may have to wait upon him for many, many years. You know, it's not easy to be patient. It's not easy to wait on the Lord. But yet, you must wait on the Lord to act. You must allow him the time to act rather than attempting to act for him. We cannot make the Lord rush. The Bible tells us even again in this psalm that those who wait on the Lord, they are blessed. Verse 9, it says, But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Verse 34, it says, Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. Those who show patience, those who wait on the Lord, they will be blessed. This morning, have you left your burdens with the Lord? Are you leaning upon him? Have you left them with him? And are you exercising patience as you wait on him to deal with the matter in hand? Do you display this steadfast attitude of trusting the Lord? Or are you leaning on your own strength, trying to rectify those difficult matters, trying to do things just your way? Oh, this morning, the counsel of the Lord for you, the instruction from God for you, is that you are to commit your way unto the Lord and that you are to trust in him solely and leave the matter with him and exercise patience. We come finally to consider in the third place that there is a sweet assurance. Our text, the last little section, it says, and he shall bring it to pass. You know, There's certainty in that. We see that word shall. It speaks of certainty. This is a promise from the Lord. And it comes from the one who cannot lie. It comes from the one who is truth himself. 
And it is a certain promise. Today, I can tell you on the authority of Scripture that you have that assurance that when you commit your ways unto the Lord, when you bring those matters to Him, you set them before Him and you leave them with Him and you trust Him, that He shall bring it to pass. He'll deal with it. He'll undertake with regards to it. The matter will be resolved. It will be sorted out. He will bring that thing that you pray about to pass. It may be in a way that you do not expect. We sung those, that great hymn of William Cowper's that we love so well. God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. The Lord often works in ways that we would never expect. We often can look at something and see there's only one way of dealing with it, but yet the Lord knows all things and he can bring things about in the most mysterious of ways. You know, it shows us that our ways, our ideas, our plans, they're not God's ways. But one thing we can say that whilst things may not play out the way we expected, things may not turn out the way we thought they would, but yet there is certainty that the Lord will do the best for his people. But also there's comfort Because even whilst you may feel as though you're being blown about by those storms and life that threaten to engulf you, that threaten to overwhelm you, you can be comforted in the sure knowledge. You can be comforted in that certainty that the Lord will bring that matter to pass. The Lord will deal with your situation and that you can rest. You know, you've no need to worry. You can be calm. The matter is in the Lord's hands and he has promised that he shall bring it to pass. There is great comfort in knowing that the Lord will undertake in those situations when you commit them to him and when you trust him. Let me ask, have you committed your way to the Lord? Are you trusting in him? Are you leaving those matters with him? If you are, then you have this sweet assurance of knowing that the Lord will undertake for you, no matter what your circumstances are. The matter that is before you, it may be something that looks impossible. It may be something that looks like it could never be rectified. It could never be sorted. But yet, the Lord has said, Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. As I conclude this morning, however, maybe you're saying to yourself, Well, that's all well and good about committing your way to the Lord, but I cannot commit my way to the Lord. I can't bring these matters to the Lord because I am unsaved. I do not know the salvation of God. If that's you today, I plead with you to listen to the message of the gospel. Maybe you've been brought up in a Christian home. Maybe you've known the word of God from maybe the day you were born. Maybe you've been brought up within the church. Maybe you've been brought up in this church your entire life and you've sat and you've heard the word of God preached week by week by faithful men of God. You've heard the gospel. You've heard those great truths regarding sin, those great truths regarding salvation. You know that you need to get right with God, but yet you have never come and you have never called upon the Lord for salvation. Despite that tremendous privilege that has been granted to you, you have decided to spurn it. You have rejected the message of the gospel thus far. This morning, I plead with you not to dismiss what the Lord is saying to you.
The only way by which you can escape that judgment to come. That judgment, we, we mentioned a little bit about it there in our introduction. That judgment that is going to come for the wicked. The only way of escaping is by repenting of your sin and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a serious matter. It's a solemn matter. I ask you as we come to close that you would consider it carefully. That you would consider it most solemnly. Consider the value of your soul. Consider the price that the Savior paid on the cross at Calvary. As he died that day, he shed his blood and he, he died to save sinners like you and me. He suffered immeasurably and he gave up his life. But the question that you have to answer is what will I do with Jesus? In your unsaved state, you cannot commit your way unto him. You cannot bring these matters we have mentioned to him. But rather, you have the choice. And there are two of them. Will you reject him? Will you refuse to believe upon him? Will you let the opportunity of salvation pass you by? Or will you receive him? Will you accept his call to salvation? He says unto you, repent and believe. Many times throughout Scripture we're told various phrases. We like to quote them. Call upon the call, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What about you this morning? Will you call on the Lord to save you? Will you? If you do, then you will too be able to commit your way to the Lord. And you will know that you can rest, that you can lean. You can depend upon him. And then you will have the assurance <coughs> That those matters that are up before you, that he will deal with them and undertake with them. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts this morning.